This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back out of his seat. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center, and he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Good afternoon. Welcome to our show and what certainly has been a difficult week for the Rays. This week, we sit down with Logan Morrison and learn how he handled a very tough start to this season. We'll visit with Mark Topkin live from Baltimore from the Tampa Bay Times, of course. We'll take a look at affiliates Montgomery and Bowling Green and our look at the minors. And we'll go around the majors with the dean of MLB reporters, Hal Bodley. We continue on this week in race baseball. Our featured guest this week is Logan Morrison. And Logan, a lot of people, a lot of race fans came to me and were so impressed by the way you handled yourself at the beginning of the season. And I heard the same for from players and coaches. With that difficult start, what did you learn about yourself through all of that? Well, I mean, I appreciate everybody saying that. I don't know how well I actually thought I handled it. But, uh, um, you know, they'd have to live with me. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's. I learned more about baseball, I guess, than about myself. Um, baseball's hard, so you're gonna have times where you struggle, and struggle a lot. Um, but it's being able to, uh, I guess, not worry about what you've done or not think about what you've done, and and just think about what you're going to do. Be positive. Um, you know, somebody told me that George Brett. When he went 0 for 4, he'd always say, well, they were lucky. I'm going to get them tomorrow, you know, that type deal. So, um, you know, and he's in the Hall of Fame, so it's a good attitude to have and, you know, try to do things like that. And the thing that I also heard from a lot of your teammates and your coaches is what a good teammate you were through all this. Was that more challenging, or is it ever more challenging to do it when personally you're not having the success you're hoping for? Well, I mean, it's, it's tough, no doubt, but... You always want to be a, a good person and a good teammate. Um, I don't know exactly what I did to be a good teammate other than just, you know, I guess just be myself. Um, uh, you know, I'm always happy when we win, no matter what my individual performance is, and I'm not happy when we when we lose, no matter what my individual performance is. Because um, at this level, it's all about the team. It's all about winning. Uh, you know, in 2014, I finished, uh, I guess the Mariners finished a game out of uh, the playoffs. And, you know, at the end of the season, we didn't have any expectations at the end of the season. You would think that it'd be like, hey, that was a good season. But everybody was disappointed because we came that close. And so, you know, just with this team, I've tried to kind of learn from my lessons and um, 
every game matters. And when we give away games, we can lose because you're going to lose games. But when we give them away, um, you know, it's uh, it's a tough, tough feeling. And I feel like, you know, yeah, we had a good series um, last series uh, against the – who did we just play? Seattle. That's right, against the Mariners. Um, but we gave away uh, uh, the game yesterday, um, you know, shoddy defense and um, – you know, didn't do a great job with running the scoring position at the plate. Um, so, you know, I think, um, like I said, yeah, we, we won two out of three, but we could have swept. And, uh, you know, those things um, is what great teams do. They, they win games they're supposed to win. They win games they're not supposed to win like we did in that series. But we also they also win games they're supposed to win. We all learn from other people. So who taught you about in this game because you've been with some different clubs about how to be a professional and how to carry yourself in a clubhouse. Who was your best example? Man, um, there's a lot, but, uh, you know, you take a little bit from everybody. Um, I'd say, you know, Dan Uggla, when I first got called up, helped me out a lot. Um, go on to, um, Robinson Cano. Um, he helped me out a lot. Uh, Nelson Cruz as well uh, you know those guys you can tell they're great players um, but they're great players because of how they handle their successes and their failures and they never get too high they never get too low and uh, they always have confidence in themselves and, and a true inner belief that they're going to do well and um, you know just try to take those 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 things from them and um, apply it to my game off the field, I think you've kind of lived up to that whole good teammate thought, too, because you were twice with the Marlins a Clemente Award nominee. When you receive those, what does it mean, and what does the off-the-field part of being a Major League Baseball player mean to you? Well, the second part of that question um, means a lot. You know, you don't, you're representing not only your organization, but your, but your last name, not, not only the name on the front, but the name on the back. So for me... Um, you know, it always goes back to when I was a kid wanting to make my parents proud, um, whether it be with a report card, which didn't happen very often, or uh, on the field. Um, so, you know, I think um, doing little things off the field, um, whatever it may be, if it's, uh, I don't know, going to, we went to the children's hospital today, um, putting a smile on kids' faces, you know, it took an hour and a half. It's the least that we can do. Um, putting on charity events, things like that, to raise money for cancer. Um, you know, that's the least that we can do as big leaders. And off the field, um, I feel like is is just as important on the field, um, not only for uh, your organization but for your family. And you're going to do an event later on this year. Um, I know a date hasn't been finalized, but let us know what you're going to do and, and the reason behind it. Yeah, so it's a wine event put on by uh, Uncork for a Cause, and it should be in August. We don't have the exact date nailed down yet, but uh, they do a wine label, um, you know, with a picture of me on it, and all the, the proceeds go to um, uh, uh, lung cancer. And uh, my dad passed away from lung cancer. He's a non-smoker. So just raising awareness and funds for that. Uh, there'll be silent um, auction items there for people to uh, bid money on, and um, all that will go to uh, um, lung cancer as well. And, yeah, I mean, um, the disease itself is awful. Uh, my dad was the strongest, I'm sure, as many people 
my dad was the strongest person I ever knew, and I was changing his underwear by the end of his life, you know. So just to see him deteriorate right in front of me, um, you know, I didn't even think he was going to pass until like two days before he did just because I was like, nah, this guy's too too big, too mean to, 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 to die, you know. He'll beat this, and, you know, it's, it's life and the unfortunate part of it. But, um, yeah, I don't want to see any, any family have to go through that, you know, would have put my mom through and um, everybody else. So, uh yeah, just you know, just trying to raise 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 money to to find a cure. And you've raised over a quarter million dollars, I know, through various events so far. Um, I, I'm curious. All that said, how are you like your dad? Uh, I'm probably um, intense like him. Um, he was very intense, very driven, um, very. Uh, once he put his mind to something, he, he, he had to get it done. I would say that's definitely how I am like him. Um, you know, uh, he was very hard on me when I was growing up. Um, but he always wanted what was best for me. And even though I didn't like it sometimes, um, you know, it, it all worked out for the best. Did he ignite your passion for baseball? And if not, who did and what did? Oh man, for sure he did. Um, and it was many times despite him. Uh, for sure. It was like, oh, okay, <laughs> you don't think I can do this? And he would do that on purpose, tell me I couldn't do something, and then I would go do it. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, he knew the type of person I was. He knew I could handle it. So, um, you know, he, he put that extra, uh, I guess, pressure, whatever you want to call it, on me um, to succeed. And I told him I wanted to be a big league baseball player when I was 10 years old and you know you you wander off that track a lot when you're in your teens and you want to go play with your friends but I was playing in tournaments and and uh you know he always kept me on track and always reminded me that um you sacrifice hanging out with your friends now and doing all that stuff you play and do what you're supposed to do now and it'll make it easier for you when you get to be the age I am now and um lucky enough to be in the big leagues have a secure job and um make a decent living at it and provide for my family, all those things, um, you know, he definitely uh, impressed upon me and, and made me realize that uh, this is what I needed to do. And you're now a dad for the first time. Your daughter Ailey was born this past or last year. What's it like and how different has it made you now being a dad? Yeah, so I would say uh, it totally changed my life and everybody's going to say this, but um, the first time you get to hold her, it's, that I got to hold her, it was pretty special and, and you can't even describe it in words, what it, what it feels like. And, you know, little things like going to the children's hospital today, hit closer to home. I've been to children's hospitals before, but, you know, having a daughter of my own now, you really feel for the parents. Um, one of the mothers was crying today and I was fighting back tears because it, I mean, it is tough. It's tough for for the parents just like it is for the for the kids um i couldn't imagine my daughter going through something like that i'd probably be a be a wreck so um you know to all the parents out there that are having kids going through stuff hang in there and stay strong but um it's a uh, it's crazy I, I i love her to death and i'm glad i had her and 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 so so uh, i guess privileged to see her smile every day no matter what i do at the park i come home and she's laughing and giggling at me for no reason and it just lightens up your day and you're like all right whatever put that game in the past and move on and i'm guessing it makes it a bit easier her name is an acronym 
for I Love You, which is a pretty cool name. How, who came up with it? You, your wife combination? And, and when did you come up with it? Well, it's definitely my wife. She heard it, uh, I guess, a long time ago, um, and she always remembered it. So she said if she had a girl, she wanted to call her Eilie, Um, I Love You. So then I said, well, if we have a boy, we can't make him feel left out. we got to call him Willie, W-L-Y, we love you. She didn't like that one too much. Well, we'll see if you have a boy at some point if she's able, if you're able to convince her. You used to be on social media a whole lot more. Your Twitter handle doesn't even read Raise yet. You haven't used it in like a year. So is it with family now I dump social media or, or what do you miss and what did you like when you were involved? Well, I would say that I had more time to interact with friends or people on there, um, you know, mess around with them, joke around with them uh on twitter but now it's i don't even get on to read anything um it's pretty hectic i have a dog i have a daughter so if i'm not taking the dog out to walk or i'm hanging out with her hanging out with my wife and i'm on instagram more now because it's just easier to post the picture you know and that's it probably not a bad idea yeah. keeps you out of more trouble right that's right yeah it keeps yeah it keeps me out of trouble for sure if we're at the end of the season how do you hope, obviously you hope the season ends in a postseason, but what would have to happen as a group for that to happen, do you think? Well, I think, uh, you know, a lot of things have to happen. We have to stay healthy. We have to get healthy. Um, but in the meantime, guys got to step up, next, next man up. Um, guys like myself have to take on a bigger load. Um, but I don't think it's anything that uh, we can't handle. Um, I, I believe that we have a lot of talent in this team and in this organization. Um, our pitching is going to get us through a lot of tough times. So uh, for us, it's it's um, how do we score runs and then how do we prevent runs on defense? Um, we have to do a better job on defense. We've made a lot of errors uh, just cleaning up the little things. Base running needs to be better. Um, and beyond that uh i think if you just we don't worry about what's going to happen with where we are in the standings and anything like that we just take a take a legitimate tunnel vision focus on the next pitch winning the next pitch winning the next inning winning the next game uh we're going to be right where we want to be good luck in doing that great to spend some time with you and thanks for being with us on this week in race baseball thank you that's logan morrison we continue right after this on the race baseball network Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Time now to take a look at things on the minor league side. AA Montgomery has begun second half play at 2-1. and one. They just had the All-Star game this week, and they had seven players who were named to the All-Star team. Joining us is now the manager of the Montgomery Biscuits, Brady Williams. Brady, thanks for joining us. Neil, how you doing? Good to be on. Thank you very much for coming on. Before we get to your All-Stars, I want to get to one guy. You've had a couple guys promoted. One was an All-Star, one was not, but he has really done a terrific job coming back from injury, and that's Jake Hager. What did it mean to tell Jake he was promoted to the AAA level? I know he's done fairly well so far, and what can you say about the time he had with you this year? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty special. I mean, he um, he's with me for four years, so to, to bring him in my office and tell him he was going to AAA and one step closer to his ultimate goal, which is obviously getting the big leagues, but for him to come back the way he came back from uh, two knee surgeries, um, same guy, uh, high character, um, same, like I said, same guy every day, came to the park, played hard, um, good to see him get the uh, get the call, and he went up there and he's playing well, he's playing shortstop, and 
he's doing uh, he's doing his part to help the Durham Bulls uh, win some games. Now another guy who just got promoted to the AAA level for the first time. Uh, made the all-star team and was one of the top pitchers in this organization last year. I know he made the all-star team this year in double-A, but he got off to kind of a slow start, and then it looked like, at least numbers-wise, he found himself. That's Jake Faria. What can you tell us about Jake's half with you this year? Yeah, you're right. He, uh, he struggled early on. Um, he just didn't quite have the same command with his fastball that he had in the past, and his changeup was not quite... Uh, on the on the plate as much as it was last year. I mean, it's hard to repeat what he did last year. I think he won 17 games, had a sub two ERA. So to repeat that was going to be a difficult task for him. But um, he kind of found it mid first half, and he, he he ran a string of stars, probably five or six in a row, where he went seven plus innings, striking out ten. Um, you know, no walks. So it was good to see him kind of get back to. Uh, his command with both pitches, and then obviously, um, you know, him getting the call and, and me telling him he's going to AAA was was pretty cool. I mean, he's a you know he's forty man roster guy, and, and to get that phone call and tell him that he's he's definitely excited to to, to go up there. Like I said, same thing with Jake; he's one one step closer to his ultimate goal. But I'll be sure. I'm sure we'll be talking with uh, Jared Sandberg, their manager, in the future about how they're faring at that level. You had two other starting pitchers that got named. Uh, one who went last night and is pitching some tough luck in Chi Wei Hu. They got him, the Rays did, from the Twins in the Kyle Jepsen trade. And then Chris Kirsch, who is a really nice story. Give me your take on each of them so far. Yeah, Chi Wei, like you say, he's had some tough luck this year. He's pitched well. Um, you know, his win, wins and loss record was not what he wants, but that's not why we're here. I mean, we, we want to win games, but he's also here to develop and become a big league pitcher. And he's doing that. He's, his fastball uh, command is outstanding. Uh, it's been up and down of late, but he can get back to to improving that. Changeup's been his probably best out pitch. Needs to improve his slider, but overall he's been pretty pretty uh, pretty good. Chris Kirsch, left-handed pitcher, um, a lot of improvements from last year. He went home this winter and he really focused on his delivery and his mechanics, and he's cleaned a lot of things up and he's thrown strikes. And he's tough. He's a he's a big-time competitor and. He's been a big part of our success, and hopefully he can keep going and, and, and keep uh, improving on what he's doing. The position players that were in the All-Star game this week at the Southern League, and again we're chatting with the Montgomery Biscuits manager, uh, Brady Williams, on this week in race baseball, all are well-thought-of prospects. I mean, let's begin with Willie Adamas. At 20 years of age, the half that he's had so far, what impresses you most about how he's played so far? There's, you know, there's... Uh... There's good players and there's really special players, and he's a special player. Um, and I don't really say that a whole lot about players, but just being around him for the short amount of time I have, uh, for as young as he is, and the talent that he brings, um, and just the maturity uh, that he has every day, uh, it's really it's really a treat to be around. Um, hopefully, I can look back in ten years and see, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to, to coach that kid because that's how highly I think of him. Um, you know he's just he's just a, he's a winner and he's got a lot of talent and, and uh, the sky is the limit for him. I just hope he stays healthy and he stays um, you know with the right attitude and, and, and stays after it. Can he be an impact player? Do you think if if everything works out right for him and he stays healthy? Yeah, for sure. There's no I don't have a, a doubt. I mean I think he's um, he's one of those guys that don't come along too often and just looking forward to seeing what he can he can do in the future. Um, and excited for the kid because he's a really he's a really treat to be around.
the numbers he's put up, again, for a 20-year-old in that league have been special. And if the same goes for Jake Bowers, who's had to change positions and going from first base to the outfield, it looks like he's really starting to come on lately, too. Yeah, he has. And, um, you know, he's played some first base as well. Um, you know, that's obviously his comfort level uh, position. But playing right field, he's improved on. Um, you know, he's working hard out there to, to improve his jumps and his reads. So gives him a little more value. Uh, but his bat has come around. Like you said, he was an all-star. He uh, he's another he's another kid that has a bright future for for as young as he is and the talent that he brings. Um, you know, looking forward to seeing where he's at in the next five years. Casey Gillespie is a guy who's maybe a little older than Adamas and Bowers, but a former first-round pick of the Rays. He basically skipped high A to come to Double A, and he's been at the top of the league and on base percentage for most of the year, and has hit ten homers too. How has he handled the jump? What have you liked most about his first half? Yeah, first half was big. It was uh, it was one of the most, um, I don't know, under the radar, really good first half. He just kind of went out and played, and next thing you know, he's hitting three fifteen. He's got nine homers and 30 ribbage, and you're like, wow, that was a pretty impressive first half. Didn't really recognize that. Um, and he's done that most of the year. Uh, cooled off of late, but still, still, um, still that uh, fear in the batter's box still has, the presence that he that he brings, he's still taking his walks. Um, like you said, for him to skip a level, come here, you know, he's still he's still improving. But there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of season left, and looking forward to seeing what he can do the next uh, the rest of the second half. I want to touch on another guy who's maybe not an all star, uh, but uh, I think that his move has been impressive so far. That's Ryan Stanek, another former first rounder. He went to the bullpen. I know he gave up a couple of runs in his third inning the other night, but those were the first since he went to the bullpen. Uh, what has stood out about the stuff moving from rotation to pen for Ryan Stanek? Yeah, the stuff, I mean, even from last year to this year, I think he's finally healthy, you know, full body health. I think he's uh, strong and as strong as he's ever been uh, as a pitcher. Um, you know, I think he can start. You know, he's got enough stuff to start. Uh, but I think his stuff in the bullpen even goes up a tick. I mean, he just he's got that next level fastball and he's got a white off slider. So, I mean, you bring him in late in the game, uh, there's not too many hitters that want to face him. He's throwing 100 miles an hour with a 90 mile an hour slider. So, those two pitches in that combo, uh, throwing strikes, is going to be very difficult to uh, to score on. Um, like you said, the one outing he had where he gave up some runs was the only outing um, that he had given up runs in the bullpen, and that was a third inning. So, I mean, if you come in for an inning, uh, there's a lot of things that can go right for you. And He's just still trying to uh, develop, but it's, uh, it's been really fun watching him transition from uh, starter to uh, the bullpen. Brady, as usual, great stuff. Good luck in the second half. We'll talk to you soon. Sorry, right, Neil. I appreciate you having me on. You got it. That is Brady Williams, again, manager for the Montgomery Biscuits. We move from the Biscuits at the AA level back to the big league level. And joining us from Baltimore, where it's certainly been a tough weekend and a really difficult road trip, Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Topper, thanks for a few minutes. Anytime, Neil. It's always a highlight. Well, the the highlights have been few lately. And you look at the last three years, uh, a 10-game losing streak in 14. Last year there was a 1-11 stretch, and this year now a 10-game skid as well. Um, and they're maybe not the same part of the season, but similar, June, July. What's similar and different of this streak, let's say, compared to the last couple? Well, I mean, I think probably what's 
defining of this streak has been the injuries that have depleted the lineup, which have led to the lack of offense, which have decreased the margin for error. And, and I know that's a convoluted answer, but, you know, the injuries are always part of baseball. Every team has them. It's rare to ever see a team get through the season without losing some key guys for certain periods. But I, I do think it's a fair point and not an excuse to point out for the Rays that they have lost what was essentially had evolved into their starting outfielder, starting outfield of Geyer, Kiermaier, and Souza. Mm-hmm. And then they lost who arguably was their most productive, consistent hitter. Evan Longoria has the bigger power numbers, but I think their most productive, consistently productive hitter in Steve Pierce. So essentially they've taken half the lineup out. And then Mikey Matuk, who, who was probably the one guy who could have impacted things had he come up and played really well, didn't play very well, and then he got hurt. So that their depth not only has been tested, it's been you know challenged, and it's been to the point where they had to go out and find some outside help in uh, Oswaldo Arcia. We saw him play mm-hmm. on Saturday night, and, and you know we'll see him again today. But you know he also was let go by the team with the worst record in the American League. So realistically, that's probably not a lot of high expectations there. So it, it's really a hold the fort type of mentality now. I talked to Evan Longoria uh, actually yesterday and again today at length about the situation and. You know, he really feels as as Kevin Cash does, and as I'm sure the front office does. They just have to find a way to get through these next couple weeks. They hope to get Brandon Geyer back. You know, maybe even for that last game against Boston, they hope to get Steven Souza Jr. back by the end of that Detroit series or the first couple games against the Angels, and and that'll add some depth and some strength and some dynamic uh, elements to their lineup again. And we'll get to that. I thought you did a great job today in the Tampa Bay Times documenting the injuries. I'm curious your take of all the injuries that have occurred this season, which one has had the greatest impact in your mind? And maybe not in terms of the win-loss directly, but where it's impacted indirectly too. Well, I think it would be hard not to put Kevin Kiermeyer at the top of that list. And, and if you're around this team every day, not only do you know how much impact Kevin Kiermeyer has on the plays he actually makes, but the entire defensive positioning in the outfield is different when Kevin Kiermeyer is there. I mean, the other outfielders are positioned more toward the lines to take more hits away that way because they know how much ground Kiermeyer can cover. His arm had become an, a legitimate weapon throughout baseball where you saw third base coaches hold runners that last night they were just waving them in against the Rays or yesterday it seemed like. So mm-hmm. I think you miss that if you're the Rays and also the energy he brought. And I know he, you know, when he's, he's still with the team when they're playing at home. and But it's different. When a player's hurt, they kind of just naturally take a lower profile. They're in the trainer's room for much of the afternoon. They're not out there in the clubhouse. They're not on the field during batting practice. But Kevin Kiermaier was one of those energy guys. He was one of those spark guys. And you know, he was a guy that made people laugh. He's a guy that made people relax. He was a guy that just in his own you know, silly ways, you know, got people, you know, fired up and, and excited about the day when those days can become a little mundane and, and things like that. So I, I would say Kevin Kiermeyer, but, you know, it's only been a few days for Steve Pierce, and I think you see a huge gap in the lineup without him as well. Agreed. And one guy who maybe it's under the radar because he's only pitched an inning, but if Brad Boxberger were healthy, he wouldn't have been perfect on save chances, but it also would have allowed the Rays to get to their closer more because you might have had – Alex Colomay pitching multiple innings, Erasmo Ramirez not doing it as much, and fresher than he is now. I mean, that seems to be an issue, too, because right now you don't have anyone to get to Alex consistently. He hasn't had a safe chance in 12 days. That's true, Neil. And, and you know, you could probably argue that one either way in the sense that if Boxberger was healthy either from the whole start of the season or even just when he came back with all the work he put in and then to get hurt the first night back in Kansas City, had he been back, the bullpen would be thicker and deeper. But on the other hand, had Boxberger been healthy all through spring training, 
Would Erasmo Ramirez have been moved to the bullpen still, or would he have been used as a starter? Would he have, you know, at least early on maybe in the pen and then moved back into the rotation so thus Andres or Blake Snell might not be here? I mean, there's lots of, of yeah. what-ifs to that, but there's definitely no doubt that having Brad Boxberger at the back end and Alex Colome pitching in the 7th or 8th and thus Erasmo if he was in the pen pitching in the 5th, 6th, and 7th, and then Cedeno maybe back more as a lefty specialist, which, you know, I think we've seen him excel at, whereas now he's being asked to carry a little bit larger load and has struggled at times, so... It would be a different uh, dynamic setup to the bullpen as well. So uh, if I was going to rank them, I'd probably go Kiermaier 1, Pierce 2, Boxberger 3, but you could make a case for Boxberger maybe being higher. And and obviously they've all had an impact. And, you know, you mentioned the, the impact on the lineup. And in this streak, the 10-game skid, the Rays have still scored at least four runs in four of these games, and yesterday they scored six. And I think it was Friday's story that you wrote with a lot of great, great comments from Jim Hickey that, I mean, this race starting rotation is the one that has been healthy, yet that's the group that's probably underperformed the most, of any. Sure, and if you were going to rank underachievements, you know, I think the starting pitchers might might be right at the top of that list all the way across the board, and, you know, Chris Archer got all the attention, of course, in, in this uh, offseason, this spring training. I mean, our, our paper was certainly part of that and putting him on the cover of the Tampa Bay Times special section as the new face of baseball, and and, you know, he has not pitched well. He's not pitched consistently well. He's had some good games here and there, but he's been nowhere near what he was in the first half of last year. And, you know, if you want to look at it in totality, his last 16 starts last year, his first 16 starts this year, you put that together, essentially a full season, not a very good season, 7-18 and 18 with an ERA of four, north of 4.5. So Chris Archer getting straightened out. And, and, you know, Jim Hickey, I thought, made it very clear in that article on Friday that, you know, he – pretty much came right out and said, we're not in a good spot, and if we're going to get out of this, it's up to the starting pitchers to get us out of it. And, you know, Jake Odorizzi last night, give him credit for being a stand-up guy afterward mm-hmm. and saying he didn't pitch very well. But, but you know, what a horrible time for a bad outing, which, you know, he acknowledged. They're struggling to score runs, struggling, struggling, struggling. They go out and get an early lead last night and, and then give that up, and then he puts the bullpen in a tough spot, and they give the rest of it up. So it just seems, Neil, like it's one of those periods where nothing goes right, everything goes wrong. They fix one thing for a night and something else does them in so you know one win will help a couple wins would help more it doesn't get easier obviously today maybe the pitching matchups in their favor and then they go home and they've got the boston red sox waiting so it's going to be a challenge and we, we said this going in that this was arguably the most difficult stretch of the schedule for the rays to play the first place giants who now have the best record in the national league the first place indians who are threatening to have the best record in the american league the Baltimore Orioles, who especially in this ballpark, are tremendously tough, mm-hmm. and then the Red Sox. Yes, and it, it is playing out that way, too. Mark, great stuff. Uh, we'll be reading, and uh, we'll be watching and listening today. So thanks for a few minutes. Anytime, Neil. Talk to you soon. You got it. That is Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. We move back from the majors to the minors. There was another Rays affiliate that had an all-star game this week. That's the Bowling Green Hot Rods. Their manager is Ronaldo Ruiz. Ronaldo, thanks very much for joining us. And for having me, Neil. Before we get to the six guys who were part of the All-Star team, I want to get to a guy who you recently had promoted to high A, Joe McCarthy. He's a draft pick last year from Virginia. He didn't play uh, last year much because of injury. Uh, And this year he's learning first base. How well did he perform? I know he was at the top of the league and on base percentage before getting moved up. Well, yeah, uh, he did a great job for us here in the first half, even though the... uh, uh, he uh, missed a couple couple weeks uh, with some uh, discomfort on you know his back, but uh, he did a great job. He's uh, definitely he uh, uh, 
um, he has a nice uh, knowledge of the strike zone. He actually doesn't swim bad pitches, you know, and, and, and it's impressive to see a kid uh, that young and uh, be so disciplined at the play. And uh, we're very encouraging uh, with him uh, being a, a really uh, uh, disciplined hitter. And again, getting promoted to uh, High Charlotte recently. You had six kids who ended up in, in the All-Star game at the Midwest League level. Uh, one of them is also making a conversion. You know, Joe McCarthy, we mentioned, has moved from outfield to first base, which he played in college. Brett Sullivan went from the infield to catcher. I know he's still learning behind the plate, but next to the plate, he's been about as good as anyone. He leads the league and runs batted in in the Midwest League and is at the top in home runs. What has impressed you about his stick? Well, he's, uh, you know, he's, he has a, you know, easy swing. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, uh, try to do too much. He just has a, a clean swing, and, 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 and he's very disciplined at the play, too. You know, and it's, uh, uh, the ball carries. I mean, every time he uh, makes contact with the ball, he's, uh, ball carries. And with Bernard scoring position, he's, uh, he's one of the best uh, hitters I've seen in, uh, and through wandering. Uh, I mean, he's, He's really this, you know, um, um, very disciplined at the play. Very um, had a lot of energy. It's a kid that you know, uh, first time behind the play, and then he's doing a great job for us. He's uh, we we are really happy for uh, for him, and, and hopefully he can. Uh, still, you know, a lot of work to do. It's a work in progress behind the play, but uh, if we can, uh, um, you know, have a catch it uh, with the type of. Uh, you know, uh, uh, here it is, we're going to be fine. And, you know, in terms of, of that, I would assume that, you know, he, what's the biggest area where he has to grow from a defensive standpoint? Because obviously he's got some good offensive skills. Yeah, well, he needs to, uh, to work on, on his uh, receiving, you know, some, uh, 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 he's never done it before. I mean, this first year for him uh, behind the play, and then receiving is one of the toughest things for a catcher. You know, it takes a long time. Uh, to uh, uh, get better at it, you know, to be good at it. Uh, but, uh, you know, he works hard, and uh, he has the desire, and, uh, and uh, he's going to be uh, fine. He, he, he loves to work. He listens. So um, we we happy for him. We, we think he's going to be a, a fine behind the plate. You have several infielders who made the All-Star team. Jay Cronenworth has put up maybe the best numbers. Michael Russell was someone, when I had you on the show last, we didn't talk about. He's stolen 17 bases, seems to do a lot of nice things for you, and he had been injured early in his career, and it looks like he's healthy now. Yeah, he's uh, he's been playing really, really well for us. He's been playing everywhere. He's been playing the outfield, first base, second base, all positions in the infield. I mean, he's a utility guy, super utility guy. He can... Uh, he swings the bat really well too, and and he can run. He can steal bases. He know how to run. He's uh, he's very uh, um, uh, brings a lot of energy to the team. So he's a, a good. Uh, um, he's a gamer. You know, he's a good player to to have in, in, in a team. Jay Cronenworth is kind of settled in at shortstop again. MVP last year in Hudson Valley, and he's having that kind of season with you in Bowling Green. How steady has he been? I know he got off to a great start. Yeah, he definitely uh, uh, was thinking about really, really good in uh, uh, early in the season. Right now, you know, he's uh, a little tired, but uh, he's been playing a lot for us. He's uh, he's a lead, he's our lead off guy, and uh, he's uh, you know playing a lot, you know. But uh, he's a great kid. He works hard, and uh, he's a great hitter. I mean, he can he can hit, you know. And, and even though he's uh, young, he he can make contact to the ball and. and 
and uh, uh, he's very disciplined at the play too. You know, one guy who has slowly come around, and sometimes it's not easy when you get traded to a new organization. I know he's got tremendous power, Kevin Padlow. It looks like each day I look at the numbers and they keep going up for him a little bit. Yeah, he's uh, he's doing much better now. He's uh, uh, you know he's uh, swinging better pitches now, and uh, he's a strong kid. I mean, that kid Kevin Padlow is. Uh, I mean, he has tremendous power, and uh, and uh, again, he's uh, doing much better with the uh, batting average. He's uh, doing much better, and uh, he's a good defender to that third base. So. Uh, yeah, he's only 19 years old, and um, I'll tell you what, I mean, that kid has a lot of power, so we encourage him, and I'm very happy um, that we uh, got him in the trade, and hopefully he can uh, continue to improve it. How about, again, we're chatting with Ronaldo Ruiz. He's the manager for the Bowling Green Hot Rods. They just began second-half play uh, after finishing 5 over 500 in the first half. Your two pitchers that made the All-Star team, uh, one a starter, one a reliever. Genesis Cabrera is the starter. Diego Castillo is the reliever. What can you tell me about each? Well, Genesis Cabrera, he's going to start for us today. Uh, I mean, he's 19 years old. He's uh, left in the pitch throwing 94, 95. He, uh, he throws uh, all pitches for strike. You know, he's, I mean, he's impressive. The kid is only 19 years old. And he, he seems like uh, he... He looks mature in, on, on the mound. I mean, he knows how to pitch. He he can, you know, he had really good command. So, uh, he's you know, uh, for a 19 years old, he's very impressive. And and Diego Castillo, he's a you know, um, he's a he's a, a closer. He's throwing 90, 97, 98 with a nasty slide. I mean, he is uh, uh you know, we really uh, happy. That, uh, that kid is uh, developing in, in now throwing more strikes now. He's, uh, his command is getting better, and uh, we're happy that um, you know he's developing, and we uh, think uh, we can have a good uh, close in the future. One guy I wanted to touch on who's not an all-star because he's barely been with you, but he's putting together some kind of streak, a uh, guy who was drafted last year, David Almeido Barrera. He's hitting, what, 10 straight games and hitting better than 400 since coming to you. Uh, what has stood out? Well, it's, uh, I mean, since we got him, he's been swinging about really well. I mean, that kid, uh, made contact. He's, uh, you know, he's, uh, again, lifting the hitter with the nice swing, easy swing, and, and he doesn't swing bad pitches. And, and right now, he's swinging about really well for us. Uh, and hopefully, he can continue swinging the, the, the same way. He's, uh, our left field today. And then, and again, it's a nice, uh, uh, addition to our lineup. Well, good luck today, Ronaldo. Good luck in the second half. We appreciate you joining us and chatting about some of your players here uh, as you begin second half play. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Again, that's Ronaldo Ruiz. He is the manager for the Low A Bowling Green Hot Rods in the Rays system. And a reminder that you can stay cool this summer with the Rays floppy hat presented by the Florida Department of Transportation. Get yours while the Rays or when the Rays take on the Tigers Saturday, July 2nd, six days away while supplies last. Call 888-FAN-RAYS or visit RaysBaseball.com for more info. Rays up. When we return, we'll find out maybe what the most intriguing ale race is from the Dean of Baseball Writers, Hal Bodley of MLB.com. That's coming up in just a moment. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Time now to take a look around the American League. And joining us, the Dean of MLB Writers, Hal Bodley of MLB.com. Hal, thanks again for joining us. Hey, Neil, how are you doing? Good. As we start this uh, last Sunday before the July 4th weekend, 
Baltimore sits atop the East. They're 30 and 13 at home. They lead the majors in home runs. Are you at all surprised at where they are at this point? And if not, why not? Well, you know, I'm really surprised, Neil, that the pitching has been able to hold up for Baltimore because that's really been the big issue. Uh, and the fact that they score so many runs with the home runs. Uh, you know, as we look at the Rays and the problems that they've had, offense can make up for a lot of bad things that happen to a team. And I think the Orioles are, you know, doing very, very well with their pitching. It's uh, kind of been pieced together, and, and I like that team an awful lot. Uh, I, I, I thought before the season began that uh, Boston and Toronto would be the top two teams in the division. But uh, the Orioles, with Buck Showalter, one of the best managers in baseball, has certainly been able to do it. You know, one of the things that impresses me most about Baltimore is their defense, especially on the infield. I mean, yes, Adam Jones made a great catch yesterday, but they seem to take away a lot of potential hits to help out that staff. They really do. I mean, and, you know, we've talked about the Rays a lot, about the fact it's built, the Rays have been built on pitching and defense, and they haven't been getting either of those this year, but the Orioles certainly have. I mean, you get, you know, a double play in a key situation, it does solve an awful lot of ills in a ball game, and that's what's happened to them. I look at the starting pitching, though, of Baltimore. Aside from Chris Tillman, they haven't been able to get, let's say, anyone extremely consistent. Their bullpen is outstanding. I mean, especially when they get Darren O'Day back. Do you think that Dan Duquette at the deadline or near the deadline is going to try and add another starter to give them a little bit more uh, in terms of pressure off of the pen? Well, I think so, because I think the Orioles, Neil, I'm not, I'm not sure you might not agree with me here, but I think that this is kind of a year when they have to do it because it's going to erode a little bit with some of the players next year. I think they really want to do it this year. Dan Duquette has a tremendous track record at the deadline making deals, and I know he's been on the phone and doing everything he can to strengthen that pitching staff. I'll, I'll be very surprised if they don't go out and get somebody. I, I really think that. I mean, when I talk to some of my sources around baseball, they say that he has been very, very active on the telephone. So we'll have to wait and see. This is a good ball club. This is a team that can win the division, but it's going to have to have that missing ingredient to do it, and I think he's going to be able to pull it off. And you look at the other two teams that you said that you expected to be near the top. I mean, the Red Sox are still in striking distance. Really, David Price will come here for the first time as a member of Boston without him pitching well. And the Blue Jays haven't gotten what I would consider great pitching from their rotation. Aaron Sanchez has been the surprise, and they may have to move him out of the rotation at some point this year. That's why I think it's so important for Baltimore. I mean, these teams have been, you know, somewhat mediocre. That's probably not the right term to use. But the, the Orioles uh, have been more or less consistent. The Red Sox have been up and down. And Toronto, obviously, is missing David Price. I read a story the other day. Someone wrote and said, talk to, uh, talk to the management of the, of the Blue Jays and said, you know, why didn't you make a stronger effort, didn't make a big offer for David Price? And they said, well, they couldn't afford him because it would have taken the, the whole offseason budget to, to land him for the money that he got. But uh, I think they're certainly missing him. Uh, the Blue Jays are a team that's sort of uh, treading water in that division. They win well for a while, and then they have these, you know, down times. Uh, but I, I believe that, uh, you know, it's a very interesting division. I'm not saying it's a good division because uh, everybody has a lot of holes, but the Orioles have been really doing well. And I kind of look at that throughout the American League. I mean, we, we, I think we thought that there were a lot of teams that were balanced. Now, maybe some teams have pulled away from the pack. But even even the teams that are at the top of their divisions – uh, do have some issues. Now, I look at Cleveland. I mean, they're doing this without Michael Brantley, and they're not running away with the Central right now, but they're playing about as good at baseball as you could ask right now. They really are. I mean, I think that when you look at baseball right now, and I said this uh, maybe a month or two ago, 
there's so much parity in the game now. At one point, oh, maybe six, eight weeks ago, there was like only five and a half games, uh, you know, separating most all of the teams except for a couple teams that, you know, were ter- having terrible seasons. Uh, that's what you're seeing. I, I, I don't want to call it mediocrity, but their teams are so much similar. It seems like almost every team has a hole. There's nobody that's really, you know, really outstanding. It's going to run away with it. So of the teams in the Central that are trailing right now, the Indians, and they're starting to create a little bit of cushion between themselves and the rest, KC, Detroit, or Chicago, who has the run in on the catch and uh, who well, has the I, best I think chance? KC is the team that can do it, but uh, I don't know. It, uh, this is a team It's so hard to repeat. You know, I've talked about that for years and years and years. You, you, you win a division, you win the, the World Series, and you come back next year and you think, hey, it's going to be there for me, and suddenly there are a few games behind Hey, Neil, one time I talked to Sparky Anderson when he was managing the Reds, and they had those great teams, and, and it looked like they were going to be a dynasty for years and years and years. And he said, then you tr- suddenly try to hit a five-run home run. You try to win three games in one game, and it doesn't happen. And I think that's what's happened to the Royals, and I think the Indians are taking advantage of that. They, they're a young bunch, and they have a great manager, and, and they're playing very, very well. And they probably have, I think, the best pitching staff rotation-wise in the American League. Would you agree? Positively, positively, and that's really the key uh, to, to being able to stay up there. Uh, and I, I just think they've done a very, very good job. And what a year for Cleveland, right? <laughs> on the courts and on the diamond. Yeah, indeed. And you know, the team with the best record right now in the American League, and we're chatting with Hal Bodley again, the dean of baseball writers of MLB.com, Texas. They're 21 games over 500. They have the best record in the American League. Are they the best team in the American League in your mind? I think they are. Hey, Neil, do you remember the column that I wrote uh, during the winter when I told the Rays that maybe they should go after Ian Desmond? (laughs) You know, here's this Sarasota guy that would like to come and play for his hometown team, and I don't know, I guess it was deaf ears. Not too many people listened to me. But Desmond, hey, hey, he's hitting 322, 49 RBIs and 13 homers in 74 games. He's made a big difference for that club. They took a chance on him. They gave him $8 million to go to Texas, and he's certainly helped the team. And Cole Hamels is having kind of a career year. He's the pitcher that everybody thought he was going to be with the Phillies. Uh, this is a good team. And and I remember the column, and I, I remember the thought, and you probably weren't the only one that you, that you were probably the most outspoken on it for sure. <laughs> I, I do I do look at you know Texas though, and Ian Desmond going in that lineup, and to have guys like Elvis Andrus and Adrian Beltre and Prince Fielder, and now the kid Nomar Mazzara. You put those guys around someone. You know, some people don't buy in this protection theory, but I kind of do that it does help guys relax mentally, and I think it probably helped Ian Desmond a little bit too, that and the move to the outfield. It really did, and plus he had a lot to, he had a lot to prove. I mean, he was mm-hmm. let go by Washington, and, you know, he thought he had a, you know, a lifetime home there, uh, and, and he had something to prove. But, you know, when one guy does it, the other guy says, hey, I might be able to do it. And the next guy says, I can do it too. And suddenly the whole lineup is picking each other up, and that's what happens, and that's what's happening in Texas right now. One team in the state of Texas that also is starting to do that right now is the Houston Astros. Uh, they yeah, were 11 under 500. I know they're nine games out, but they're now in second place in that division, and all of a sudden you know, people are starting to talk about them again after the year they had last year. What a dreadful start they had, right? Uh, I, I don't know whether they're going to be able to pull it off or not, maybe at least get a while. I don't think they're going to be able to catch Texas. I really don't. But uh, the wild card is something that, you know, this is the team that, uh, you know, we wrote about this team. Everybody thought prior to the season that this was the team that was going to win the division, and after these years of predicting this great uh, new uh, method they had 
in Houston that they were going to be able to go to the World Series. But uh, I think that uh, they put it together and uh, they're playing a little bit better. But uh, what a dreadful start they had. They did. And, hey, they're not out of it. Um, they're in pretty decent shape for the wild card at least. And, look, we saw Oakland catch Texas one year. So, I mean, who knows what can happen in the final three months. That's right. It's been Good a great s- season so far. <laughs> it has, Hal. Thanks very much for a few minutes. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Neil, it's always my pleasure. Have a great day. That is Hal Bodley, again, the Dean of Major League Baseball Writers from MLB.com, and we certainly appreciate having him on our show. Same goes for Rays first baseman Logan Morrison, as well as Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. You can read some of his great stuff from uh, his Sunday Rays tales, uh, and you can follow him also at TBTimes underscore Rays, and we certainly appreciate the look inside uh, the Rays minor league system with a couple of the managers Brady Williams of the Montgomery Biscuits and also Ronaldo Ruiz of the Bowling Green Hot Rods as they begin play here in the second half of the minor league season. Special thanks to our producer, John Milo. On our next program, we'll get to know a little bit more about Brandon Geyer as he works his way back from injury. Certainly, if you ever have something you want to hear on this show, just tweet me at Neil Solons. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next. Rays hoping to end this losing streak against the Baltimore Orioles on the Rays Baseball Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.